Unlike most stories, I'm not going to start at the beginning. And instead, I'll start at the end of my journey, out of the closet. Not that a queer person is ever truly done coming out. My name is Jennifer Linnae Lee. I grew up Mormon, and I am a lesbian. The moment I admitted to myself that I was gay, it changed me forever, and it changed me for the better. As of right now, my family doesn't know, but by the end of this episode, they will. In this podcast, we'll talk about religion, sexuality, and sex, and what happens when those things collide. In addition to my own, I will tell many other harrowing and heartwarming stories about people who have spent their whole lives navigating this intersection in search of balance and truth. Welcome to Mormon Lesbian. I was six years old when I had my first kiss with a girl. We didn't have a lot in common, except that we shared a babysitter and we both had single, working moms. I can't say that bonded us at six. And to be honest, she always intimidated me. She turned seven two months before me and already knew how to swim. One day, when we were taking our naps, this girl got out of bed. A big nap time no-no came over to my bed and asked me if I wanted a smushy kiss. I didn't know what this was or why she wanted to do it with me, of all six-year-olds, but I consented to it several more times before we got caught. I cried when our babysitter said she was going to tell my mom. There would be no more kissing girls after this, and I stuck to this promise until I turned 19. Well, except that one game of truth or dare. I remember realizing that I was gay around the age of nine. My dad was driving me the 40-minute commute to the elementary school near my mom's house. They were divorced. Still are, thank God. I was listening to music on my iPod, trying to tune out Rush Limbaugh shouting at us through the speakers. Then I heard Rush say the word lesbian, and it was the first time I can remember doing the gay freeze. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's that moment when you're caught in the act, afraid that when the word is said around you or in your vicinity, it will stick to you like glue, like someone wrote gay in bubble letters across your forehead. My eyes glazed over. I was sure my dad was staring at me, but I couldn't look to check. Stop being weird, act natural, I told myself. I blinked and looked around. My dad wasn't looking at me. I remember being nine and swallowing up that feeling, pushing it out of my mind. I remember being scared of being different, of being another form of outcast. I remember thinking, God wouldn't make me gay. I have way too much shit on my plate already. Growing up in the Mormon church felt like I was being set up to fail. The typical Mormon is traditional and nuclear in every sense of the word. You are seemingly bred to fulfill this linear role, beginning as a child of God and transforming into a chaste young woman, followed by a devout wife and mother. Any woman interested in a diverging pathway is considered a failure socially and often celestially. Those who don't marry a person of the opposite sex will not find themselves welcome in the highest ranks of heaven. They cannot sit amongst Jesus Christ. They are condemned to dwell amongst the other sinners until they atone for their transgressions. 
and this was essentially all I knew of sexuality and gender until I left the church. When I first decided to make this podcast, one of the first people I thought of was my half-sister, Deanna. Out of all the siblings, we were certainly the most devout Mormons, and possibly, as a result, the most interested in the scrupulous analysis of organized religion. He said, Michael Jackson was alive. He, he said, do you, you know how Michael Jackson is attracted to little boys? I was like, oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) She's telling me about the first time she asked a church member about gay people. (laughs) And then, um, because I was, how old was I? I was probably like 14 at the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, of course I know (laughs) that. And he's like, well, that's, that's gay people as well. They're attracted to the same sex. And it's their, it's their sin that they have to overcome to get to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and it crushed, it crushed me. I was just like, oh. And it made sense as well. Like, it made sense because you're, when you grow up in the Mormon faith, you're taught this one way of looking at things. They have sometimes their own explanations because there are no true explanations in the actual Book of Mormon, really. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of taught what your parents would say and my mom would make up all kinds of things to (laughs) tell me how things were were the way they were a week in the life of a mormon girl looks like activity days or youth group on tuesdays a word activity almost every week and three hours of church on sunday church members are expected to attend every meeting and event they can and they are also expected to follow rigorous schedules of scripture study, devotion, and prayer. And let's not forget all the rules concerning how to dress, eat, drink, date. It's all or nothing. There's no in-between. I was really, like, really drinking the Kool-Aid, I would say. This is Brayden Wells. She's a friend of mine who was raised Mormon, but her entire family left the church when she was a teenager. I've been away from the church for over four years, but nothing bonds me more with a complete stranger than finding out that they were raised Mormon too. That's how we became friends. It used to be like everything was like based around my morals. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with that word. And I was like, where are your morals? To my friends who had like, whatever, you know, didn't, didn't go to the church. Um, I like prayed every night and I was like, you know, thank you for giving me such strong morals and such strong <laughs> virtues. And I'm like, I'm a 12-year-old. What better do I know? But then the thing that really, really, like, I had to undo in my subconscious that was really, like, ingrained was shame and fear around intimacy and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so intensely. So intensely. Young women are expected to maintain the highest forms of modesty and chastity. Mormon teens are not allowed to date until the age of 16 and are banned from any sexual conduct outside of minimal hugging and kissing until marriage. To this day, I can't recall having a single discussion about sex with anyone in the church, my parents included. I would like go even to the point where I would like shame my friends friends and stuff like I my best friend Rachel we were best friends no 
Um, we were best friends since middle school, which is when I was still, like, really in it. And, uh, <laughs> really in it. And, um, she would, like, tell me things about, like, going to a party and drinking or, um, hooking up with a boy or just, like, kissing a boy. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I think you should talk to God about that. <laughs> I mean, thank God Rachel stayed friends with me through all of that because I was really just projecting all of the shit that I had learned that was just like rooted so deeply in my subconscious onto her and no one deserves that shame I don't think I think we're all humans (laughs) and uh we're allowed to kiss to kiss boys in high school without without feeling like we're going to hell (laughs) yeah I did the same thing um but like in high school when everyone started drinking I was like shame same my friends so hard for it same and like with just any if they talked about weed I'd just be like you're going to hell yeah I was drinking the Kool-Aid too of course not everyone sees the church as this behemoth of distress I can't make this podcast without making that point known the fact that to me it did it was at the time it was as if I had this jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. and I had all these pieces in front of me and, and a lot of them you know I loved all these I loved the shapes and I love the colors there and I, I love that and but nothing seemed to fit together. This is Sam, a fundamentalist Mormon and practicing gay man. He asked to use a pseudonym because he has received hate in the past for being open about his sexuality, even in France. And I gathered all these pieces along the years. And then when I finally got the idea of the Mormon church, it seems like all these things, all these pieces kind of like fit together. And I finally got like the, the picture, the big picture. When I found Sam online, I saw what my life could have looked like in another universe. Well, to make a story, you know, long story short, yeah. uh, I got excommunicated from the Mormon church because, you know, I was gay and practicing and then I did my own thing went back to just reading scriptures and praying you know things that did before and then you know like slowly like thing you know I started to realize actually there were other ways of being a Mormon I I started to go on some discussion boards on the internet and then I went to this this phase of like there was this reform Mormon thing and they were kind of like very liberal which was good Mm -hmm. for me but they were so very classical, they were into classical Mormonism, in like very old doctrines and this and that. Somehow, this man made it work. The one difference between us, though, is that I don't need or want a religion. I don't think I ever loved God, but I understood him. His world was black and white. He seemed safe and predictable. I prayed religiously as a child, but only when I was sad or scared or frustrated, which happened to be a lot. I talked to God about nearly all my thoughts and concerns, all the ones he'd approve of at least. But there was always a hint in the back of my mind that he didn't have my best interest at heart. I recall one afternoon when I was 13. My favorite Sunday school teacher told us about how she gave up a promising career as a broadcast journalist in order to stay at home to raise her children. I was appalled listening to her argument that divine intervention told her to make such a decision, when it seemed so clear to me that peer pressure and societal obligation played more prominent roles. It wasn't like her husband had any pressure on him to give up his career, which was less promising than hers. At the same time that I was questioning my religion, I felt love for the first time. So when I got my first best friend, I thought I was supposed to care a lot and they were supposed to care a lot back, 
I thought I was supposed to think about them all the time and spend 30 minutes trying to compose a funny text to send them. If I'm being completely honest, I changed high schools the summer before it started because I wanted to go to the same school as her. Classic lesbian move. I mean, looking back on it, it just all makes sense. This is my sister, Andrea. She is 16 years older than me and watched me grow up. She's always been a little more of a parental figure than a, a sister to me. Never had a boyfriend. You never, like, talked about any kind of relationship, like, boy or, or girl. I guess in uh, high school, I thought it could be a, a real possibility. I mean, I think everyone thought you were just studious, which I think yeah. God still thinks that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think I realized that anyone would, like, even catch me in that. I don't think I realized it wasn't, no, or, yeah, it wasn't normal to not be dating. People are right. exploring that part of yourself. Yeah, because that's a normal thing for that age group. And, you know, even talking about it or, like, you just were a very closed book with everything. I suffered from depression for most of high school. One time during seminary, which is a Bible study class for high school-age Mormon youth, my teacher asked us what we wanted to accomplish in the next 10 years. And while my classmates said they wanted to graduate college and get married, I simply said that I wanted to be happy. My classmates laughed and told me that that wasn't a real answer. But it was true. I wasn't happy, and I didn't know how to be happy at that point in my life. I coped by isolating myself and ignoring my problems. I dropped out of all my extracurriculars, stopped studying, and didn't keep up with friends. I would spend entire summers just watching TV in my room, not seeing a single friend. My senior yearbook quote was, there goes four years of my life that I'll never get back. Just embarrassing that I said that. In the moment, I thought my sadness stemmed from my parents' divorce or money problems, but I now realized that being closeted was a huge factor. I couldn't accept my reality, so I shut down and ignored it. And because of this, I was never authentic. I was always performing the part of who I thought my family and peers wanted me to be, how they wanted me to act, and it weighed me down a ton. College was the first time I had room to breathe, away from the stresses of my home life and the pressure to be religious. I took a big step and I tried to be happy. But I quickly realized that I couldn't do that without any sort of identity. And so grappling for my own, I decided to try on someone else's. This person was my best friend at the time. And as the trope goes, I fell head over sneakers. Even though she was the first person I came out to, our friendship went south for a number of unrelated reasons. And so she wasn't the ideal support system. And after that, I remained closeted for almost another year. The summer after my sophomore year of college, though, I became friends with a girl who, at the time, identified as bisexual. I looked up to her immensely. She was proud of her attraction to women in front of her friends, but she didn't share that side of herself with her family. She was having her cake and eating it too. Every time she said, damn, that woman is hot, I wanted to scream, I know, right? She gave me courage. Every gay person I met after that gave me courage, and eventually, I came out. And you told me, like, I have something, like, to tell you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jessica Torres. I interviewed her along with two of my other best friends, Flora Amiskita and Aline Sarigian. 
asking them to relive the night I came out to them. And she's like, I don't know how to say it. I was like, okay, like, I don't know how to help you Yeah, here. I was, like, expecting you to fully just, like, understand. Like, yep. Yeah, she was like, you, you should didn't. know, like, what I'm talking about. And I was like, Jenny, I literally have no idea. And she ended up, like, grabbing a notebook and, like, writing it in a notebook. Here's Floor's story. So we were at the kitchen table, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, Floor, I need to tell you something. And I was like... Oh my god, Jenny's in love with me. You missed the mark. I was I in know. love with someone else. <laughs> One, I was like, oh my god, she's gonna like confess that she likes me. <gasps> Two, she has an issue with me and she's about to confront me. Heather loves you, And so I was like freaking out inside either way. How have you seen me change since I have accepted myself and like come out to you guys? You're gay? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Overall, you become a more confident person in, like, multiple aspects of your life. Um, a lot more confident, confident in, like, what you have to say. I don't know. I guess just, like, yeah, relationships and all that it entails and how you a- interact with other people. My sister, Andrea, felt similarly. Um, you just seemed, like, more comfortable in your own skin. You just seemed happier. You were more, like, talkative, more engaging. I want to thank everyone who was emotionally available to me, everyone who listened. You were some of the first people I told, and that means I trusted you a lot. Thank you for being the kind of person I could trust. For all the listeners out there wondering, the absolute best part about coming out is dating women. My first date with a woman was an 8.30 showing of the 2017 film Lady Bird. I was a big ball of nerves, but the second I saw her, a jolt of excitement ran through my body. And after the movie, we talked for hours and hours. And then, finally, I had my first real gay kiss. <laughs> it was a sensation I had never felt before, and a sense of self-assurance I had never experienced. I thought about that kiss for weeks. It was euphoric. I decided to give her a call when I started working on this episode. Were you wary of how we would be perceived in public? Because we were, it was at a movie theater, which is very public, and then afterward we walked around in public. Yeah, I think just generally I was like, I wasn't like certain enough that we would do anything that would look like more than Mm -hmm. friends-ish. This is Claire Palmer. We're no longer involved, but we remained friends. Honestly, I was more nervous about if you would want to, like, hold hands, like, about the you and I interaction <laughs> and feeling, than the, and I, like, couldn't even think about other people. But then when we made out on a park bench, I was, like, I am, feel vulnerable to the world of gay haters. <laughs> <laughs> I have over a year under my belt of being comfortably out to my friends and classmates. I've had the chance to grow and be comfortable in my own skin 300 miles away from my family and their ideals. I have never been happier. But at the same time, I'm still terrified of coming out to my family. How do you think the family will handle me coming out? Honestly, I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal. Right. And I think once you do come out to everybody and you're able to be your true, authentic self, mm-hmm. 
I think your relationships will end up being stronger in the end. A month ago, I went home and made a promise to myself that I would tell them. I asked them separately to meet me in the garage. I had no idea how to phrase it. The words still felt so harsh on my tongue. I just knew I had to tell them, and I wanted to tell them. The moments leading up to it, my body was physically shaking and my hands were ice cold. The room was silent except for the hum of the water heater. And then my dad walked in and took a seat. If you have questions, I can answer them. I won't give you a preamble, but essentially I identify as gay. Okay. I don't know. This is just been a really hard thing for me to deal with my whole life. And I feel like being dramatic because you guys handled it so fine, but I was so scared of people thinking that that was me. People thinking what? I was scared of, of being that way for a long time. To, to, to the only thing I've tried to teach all of you guys, the thing i tried to teach you is to, to do what you think is right. And just because we, we have a feeling going one way, maybe that's wrong, maybe it's right. you got to figure that out. And you got to go and be as good a person as you can, whatever road you decide to pick. And then I told my stepmom. <laughs> I probably already know. I think you do. It's okay. You're gay. Um, I'm, yeah. I know. Honey, I've known since you were so young. I've known. She's getting me a tissue here. I've known for a very, very long time. And I love the gays. You know I do. <laughs> right? I've always said that, right? She had always said that, and I was just now realizing maybe she meant that for me. A week passed and my stepmom texted me asking about something random, like where I wanted to get dinner for graduation. I did what I normally would do. I told her I was busy and I'd get back to her. And then she asked me if there were any special girls in my life. This was new. And I proceeded to tell her about the previous night when I had almost asked Dakota Johnson for her phone number. I know, I'm ridiculous. She laughed and she said next time, get the number. In this podcast, I want to share the stories of those who have confronted the intersection of religion and sexuality. In upcoming episodes, we'll tackle the Bible and homosexuality, gay nuns, and more. If you would like to share your story or to reach out for any reason, email me at themormonlesbian at gmail.com. This has been Jennifer Linnae Lee. Thanks for listening.